Chapter Fourteen of No Quarter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. No Quarter by Thomas Main Reed chapter fourteen a hawking party hoo ha 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 the cry of the falconer followed by a whistle as the hawks were unleashed and cast off away went they jess's trailing and bells tinkling in buoyant upward flight for the heron that had risen out of the sedge intending retreat to its heronry at the sight of the enemy after it suddenly changed direction and was now making for upper air with all its might of wing the hawks were a cast of peregrines of the best strain in perfect training it needed no repetition of the hoo-ha-ha-ha to encourage them for as soon as their hoods were off they had sighted the enemy and shot like arrows after it at first their flight was direct a raking off but in drawing nearer the doomed bird it changed to gyrations as they essayed to mount above it the heron in a frenzy of fright uttered its harsh crack disgorged the content of its crop with a view of lightening itself and made a fresh effort to escape skyward in vain the falcons with quicker stroke of wing notwithstanding their spiral course were soon seen soaring over it then the foremost for one was ahead having gained the proper height with spread train and quivering sails poised herself for the stoop only a second then down swooped she at the quarry arm outstretched and pounces set for raking it the attempt was unsuccessful rarely is heron touched at the first stoop unwieldy and sluggish in flight as the creature may appear it has a wonderful capacity for quickly turning and can long elude hawk or falcon if there be but one when doubly assailed however by a cast of trained peregrines it is at a disadvantage not having time to recover itself from the stoop of the one till the other is upon it so was it with this in an instant after the second shot down upon it with a squeal the heron again giving out its craw and then the two hawk and heron were seen clinging together for this time the bird of prey had not attempted to rake but bind and bound were they the pounces of the falcon stuck fast in the flesh of its victim 
then followed a convulsive flapping of wings the two pairs beating against one another soon to be joined by a third for meanwhile the first falcon having soared up again once more poised herself and stooped she also binding to the common quarry the aerial chase was now at an end but not the combat unequal as this was the heron still lived and when the three should come to earth might impale either or both its adversaries on that long lance-like beak it but unskillfully wheels in the air to prevent this the falconer hurried off for the spot toward which they were descending slowly they came down upheld by the united fluttering of their wings but reached the ground at length luckily not far off and when the falconer got up he gave out a loud whoop signal of the quarry killed for he saw that the heron was dead and the peregrines had already commenced depluming it other voices joined in the pain of triumph one of sweet silver tones accompanying by the clapping of a pair of pretty hands they were the same voice and hands that on the top of rordine hill had hounded on the dog hector in his half-played demonstration against the donkey i knew my pair of purrs would do it in good style cried vaga in exultation for she was the owner of the peregrines did any of you ever see a kill quicker than that the interrogatory was put to a trio of individuals beside her on horseback as herself one of them her sister the other two sir richard walwyn and eustace trevor there was an entourage of attendants the falconer with his helps mounted grooms and dogs quartering the sedge in short a complete hawking party from hollymead house for notwithstanding his gentle inclinings ambrose powell was no foe to field sports rather favored them when not unnecessarily cruel and though rarely indulging in them himself but put no restraint on his daughter's doing so the younger was passionately fond of hawking and the elder also relished it in a more sober way it being then regarded as a proper pastime for ladies the hawking party whose incidents we are chronicling came off some ten days after the arrival of sir richard walwyn and eustace at hollybead the scene being a strip of marsh with a stream filtering through it here and there a pool where the moor-hen coquettishly flirted her tail a favourite haunt of the heron and of teals widgeons and wild ducks 
that the knight was still sojourning at Hollymead House need be no matter of surprise, but why the son of Sir William Trevor had not long ere this reported himself under the parental roof by Abergenenny may seem a very puzzle. Its explanation must await the record of after events, though an incident occurring there and then with speech that accompanied may throw some light upon it vega's question was rather in the way of an exclamation to which she did not expect a reply neither waited for it but giving the whip to her palfrey trotted off to where the falconer was engaged in releasing the dead heron from the pounces of the hawks she went not alone however eustace trevor having pricked his animal with the spur and started after soon overtaking her the other pair stayed behind as they were a hundred yards or so round the edge of the marsh and the two had ridden off came to a halt for by this the falconer having rehooded the hawks and retrieved the quarry met them heron in hand holding it out to his mistress as would one first up at the death of a fox present reynard's brush to some dashing diana of the field a splendid bird it was the white heron or great egret a rare species even then though not so great as now give it to the purrs van dorn she directed after a short survey of it despite its rarity showing less interest in it than under other circumstances she might have done unhood again and let them have it we forgot to bring the doves for them and they deserve reward for the way they both bound it so cleverly van dorn a hollander from falconsward whence in those days all falconers came bowing proceeded to execute the command by removing their hoods from the hawks before he surrenders it to the tender mercies may i ask a favor it was Eustace Trevor who interrogated, addressing himself to the young lady. Of course you may. What is it, sir? Leave to appropriate a few of the heron's feathers. Why, certainly. The falconer will pluck them for you. Van Dorn, pull out some of its feathers and hand them to this gentleman. I suppose you mean those over the train mr trevor yes they you hear van dorn without that the man knew what was wanted the loose tail covert so much prized for plumes and drawing them out one by one he bound them into a bunch with a piece of cord whipped round their shanks then handed them up to the cavalier 
after which he went off to attend upon his hawks. There was a short interregnum of silence as the falconer turned his back on them until he was out of earshot. Then the young lady asked, with apparent artlessness, but, Mr. Trevor, what do you intend doing with the heron's feathers? Pluming my hat with them why it's plumed already and by far showier ones showier they may be but not prettier nor so becoming and certainly not to be esteemed as these which i shall wear as souvenir of a pleasant time the pleasantest of my life there was a pleased expression in her eyes as she listened to what he said still more when she saw what he did this to whip the hat from his head pluck the panache of ostrich feathers from his aigrette and insert those of the heron in their place something he did further seemed also to give her gratification though she artfully concealed it reproach on her lips but delight in her heart as she saw him tear the displaced plume into shreds and toss them to the ground at his horse's feet how wasteful you are mr trevor she exclaimed reprovingly those foreign feathers must have cost a great deal of money what's worse you've spoiled the look of your hat besides you forget that those now on it came from a conquered bird. All the more appropriate for a plume to be worn by me. Why so, sir? Because of my being vanquished, too. You vanquished, Mr. Trevor? When? Where? By whom? she asked, at the same time, mentally interrogating herself could he be alluding to that combat in which he received the wound brought with him to hollymead the story of which had leaked out though not told by either combatant or was he hinting at conquest of another kind there was an indescribable expression on her countenance as she sat awaiting his answer keen anxiety ill-conceived under an air of pretended artlessness vaga it was not he who pronounced her name though vaga with powell adjoined were the words nearest to his lips she would have given the world to hear him speak them but it could not be then her sister had called to her at that moment approaching with sir richard most ill-timed approach for it interrupted a dialogue which allowed to continue might and likely would have ended in declarations of love confessions full and mutual end 
of chapter 14.